0: Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. We're coming at you live with Josh Shaw, the science guy. Well, not really. Not really. Josh Shaw um, has had this conversation on a multitude of occasions. Most recently at, a, uh, I believe, a Sports Nutrition Expo Summit in San Diego. I think he, this topic was, was kind of the centerpiece of a conversation. And you may have said something that that maybe maybe made people upset but what you said was 100 percent true and the topic today is like we we're in sports nutrition which fundamentally should be a science-based industry like what what can be put together to help us actually improve on our fitness and health goals but it's what you said it's it seems like a marketing driven industry versus science-based industry so are we marketing or are we science? Are, is, there, is there a combination of both? If you're an upstart brand, like, should you do one or the other? We, we've kind of touched a little bit on that in the past, on some of that stuff, but I think the conversation revolves around more or less, like, what, what really is our industry today? In 2020, how has this industry evolved? Has it evolved? Has it stayed the same? Because I would almost argue, Josh, that the industry hasn't changed a lot. I, I just think it's exemplified now by digital and by our access to information.
1: Yeah, the, the topic... Um, to your point it was kind of event ba- event based in, in, the, um, sports nutrition summit that I was just speaking at, um, was very much a, a crowd of, of peers that were probably science forward or I guess like science leaning in, in the most of the crowd of the you know couple hundred people in the crowd. Right. Um, and the topic was uh, what we were kind of talking, a question that was asked by the, the moderator was around, you know, is the industry, um, kind of marketing focused or, you know, is R&D and, and science kind of taking a turn uh, and becoming more of a popular thing. And, and right. the people on the on the panel with me um, were very positive towards science. And, and I am also, I, I have no problem with, with having, you know, science-backed things and, and all that. But my point was that, you know, kind of launching something um, with a, a bunch of claims uh, in today, 2020, right. um, is not going to fundamentally create the next, you know, big thing. Because first of all, you're probably not going to have exclusivity on that thing that you're marketing. Um, You generally don't have um, finished product testing done on your specific product uh, and we can get into the reasons why people don't uh, do that a lot of times today. but um, so you end up, you know piggybacking off of science from ingredient suppliers, and um, you know, you have all these claims, you have all these things, and, and you kind of try to stand on it that way. But how does somebody know your brand over the three hundred other ones that look uh, similar from a formula standpoint to you? or at least, to a common consumer looks similar. You know what I mean? There might be some nuances to your formula over somebody else's, but like a a lay consumer, the, the mainstream consumer, do they really even understand Mm -hmm. the differences between product X, product Y and and product Z that have, you know, a 10% difference in each one of them. And that's, um, kind of also like where I, I got fired up about the subject. Was a few weeks prior to that, and we talked about this in a previous podcast around the ABH um, yeah. recall and, and all that. Was a, a lot of people came out um, right after that um, to, uh, kind of press release and and was really touting, you know, this is why um, you know people that see self manufacture their product should be the ones trusted, and you know everybody's marketing companies and everything and. I get where their stance is coming from, but it brought up a big point where a lot of people maybe were not understanding what that all meant. What what does? Why does marketing companies thrive in our in our space? Why is the makeup of our of our kind of industry the way that it is? Um, And overall, it was just kind of one of these things where it was a topic that seems to still get a lot of kind of fire between people because. There are a lot of, in our industry, those that maybe are not necessarily in it to the deepest level that you and I are in, Ryan, yeah. you have this interesting kind of world where there's the the people that have been in the industry maybe since like the 90s and the early 2000s that are still kind of in it. Um, and then you have, for whatever reason, it kind of seemed like it skipped 10 years. And then you have like the, where we're at, like we came into this, you know, in the 2010 so you have this like weird like 10 years that it it doesn't seem like there's that many people that are cut out there so you have this like interesting dynamic between the two sides where you have people that understand the industry from a different angle and then you have where we're at where cool there's a (laughs) there's a product that is a big piece of what the brand is about but it's also like how do you actually get people to notice your brand over the 10,000 other ones we don't have you know the 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 I guess the luxury of only having to compete against five other brands that are selling the same product.
0: You know, that's the thing that I, I laugh about sometimes. Josh is people, science-based brands, right? Who who try to use their formulas as their marketing, and um, you know, our formulas are our marketing. That that doesn't work. Like that typically doesn't work. And I saw you're you're drinking a Total War RTD right now, which is which is fantastic because people always will look at me and be like how is Aaron Sigerman doing what he is doing? Like, then they'll say something about the formulas, or they say, you know, he's not using any brand ingredients. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad brand or you have bad products. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's where we say we're a marketing-driven industry. I don't have – and this is coming from me, a guy who touts superior formulas. I don't have a problem if you're a brand that is a marketing-driven brand. I don't. I I have a problem if you're shortchanging the consumer, sure, but you can still – Double down on marketing and still provide something that has science behind it. You're just not out there waving your flag saying, "We look at all these amazing formulas that we have. You know what's funny is you'll never hear Aaron Singerman and the Redcon team ever talk about their formulas. It's not that they're bad. It's not that they're bad formulas. They just don't talk about them. They talk about the brand and what, what the brand does and the people that represent the brand. Um, and, and, and they're the, you know, one of the largest brands in the space, and there are going to be a lot of people that probably listen to this and be like, okay, well, you're biased, right? I'm not biased. I, I love business. I love marketing. I think they do a fantastic job of that. But I also can look at those formulas, too, and say, you know what? They're not half bad. But I mean, he doesn't need to use brand ingredients. He doesn't need to go out there and and scream. And it's funny because at that event, you're on stage with Jim Sapani, And for a long time, like Jim was one of those guys who was like, well, we have full transparency. And he kind of used that as his marketing avenue. And, you know, he at one point called out other brands for for not being. And then, you know, at at some point he had to put his foot in his mouth because he got called back out from other brands, which was funny um, for us in, in the space. But It's not like, and and that's the thing, like, how many of the average consumers care? And I know we've talked about this before, and I would say 95% of the consumers don't care. Why? Because they walk into Costco, they see a twin pack of C4 for 40 bucks, and they buy it like it's fucking bread, man. They buy it every single day. That formula, and and the NutriBolt team knows this, that formula is not, based on science, not good. But that formula based on sales is fucking Fantastic. Fantastic. And it's, it's something, too, that Cellucor is not going to go out there and say, you know, we have carnison beta-alanine. Granted, it's dosed at, I think, 1.6 or something like that. But, like, you know, they're using a branded version of beta-alanine. They don't even have to, but they're using it, but they're not really, they're not really touting it very much. And, and so... Um, you know, if a consumer is, the consumer is that care, kudos to you. I'm happy because you're you're doing the time, you're listening to, you know, our channel, Price Plows, I mean, Josh doesn't really talk about formulas at all, but uh, I mean, you're, you're taking time to educate yourself on what you're putting in your body, but the vast majority if people really gave a shit if this was a science-driven industry, companies like Herbalife and Abacare and things like that would not exist. Like they would not be Herbalife would not be the largest sports nutrition brand in the fucking world. It just wouldn't happen. So, it's I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things like Newsflash. Like, if you don't have an effective marketing campaign behind your brand, you're going to be stuck on a plateau for the most part. I mean, you. I think the term or the number that a lot of people throw around this industry, Josh, is $10 million. Like, t- it's really hard to get above that $10 million mark for, for a lot of these brands. They're, like, stuck there, and they're stuck there forever, and they can't figure out why. And a lot of times it's these brands who – I mean, and, and if you're a brand that's science-driven and you're trying to use your formulas to be your marketing avenue, you probably will never even reach $10 million, to, be, to be honest. I mean, you could – Nutribio is over $10 million for sure, but they also have some marketing. They use their formulas, but they use, their marketing campaign is their full transparency and their self-manufacturing, and um, they're not necessarily using their formulas as marketing. But that's one of the closest that I can think to a brand who really kind of talks more on the education point of view that's over a $10 million company.
1: Yeah, that $10 million mark um, is interesting because then it kind of gets you into a different uh, sales channel Mm -hmm. outside of like a specialty where you have somebody that is there to educate you a little bit. Like if you stop into a GNC or a vitamin shop, regardless of what, Consumers talk shit about them and they'll be like, oh, they don't know shit or whatever. Like, they know a lot more than the Walmart employee that if you ask them a question about what you should buy in their active nutrition section, I'll, I'll tell you that straight up. So, like, at least right. there's some element of like education that you're going to get from that employee. They're going to try to help you. Um, so, you know, if you're the top of the top brands in one of those big specialty retailers, you might be able to you, you could reach over ten million dollars. But for the vast majority of the ones that aren't, you know, the top, top sellers in those ones, you usually are then moving into a different sales channel mm. that then needs to be um you're selling on something that really isn't um you know somebody's gonna be able to teach um in that space. Right. And that puts you into a an area where then it becomes more geared around you know marketing uh, elements that are outside of the formula because a common consumer that's walking into a Walmart or a Target Does not have the education level to really understand the products no. to which they need and I know some people have a counterpoint to that and saying like well There's you know a ton of sales on vitamins and minerals and things like that That's totally true and that's mm-hmm. mostly because as a consumer you're only you only have so much capacity for information based around how interested you are in a certain topic like right. if you are you know, trying to um, regulate your blood pressure or something, you're going to be probably really intense on like maybe some of the things that you need to to regulate that. Yeah. You might also take a bunch of other ingredients for like, you know, general health and whatever, but like you probably don't take the time to actually learn that to the level that you're learning to that one goal that you're trying to reach. So yeah, you can go in there and be self-directed and buy the things you need to like regulate your blood pressure. But when you start getting outside of that really deep interest, Then you're going on just like some of your other purchase behaviors, like, oh, I like the look of this label. I like the, you know, the packaging. I like the flavors. I like the way they go into a different kind of purchase criteria that they're looking for. So I think in sports nutrition, because it's like a totally like additive type of a thing, like people are not taking sports nutrition products to get necessarily healthier. They're optimizing some element, trying to get stronger. They're trying to get, um, you you know, whatever it is there. It's not like somebody goes out and purchases a pre-workout because they're trying to, um, you know, work on their diabetes issue. You know what I mean? It's not like it's, it's, so I think that there's, um, somebody has to be really interested in sports nutrition to actually get to the point of like knowing the products ins and outs to the level of like efficacious doses, uh, scientific level. And that's, Um, very admirable if somebody gets to that level, I love hearing from like the 0.1% online that, that talks about, you know, on your guys' or or stacked or price plow or, you know, like I am like amazed that they get to this level, especially when, um, you know, they probably could care less about anything around medical health or wellness and regular health and, you know, whatever. But like they get like super intense on these things and I'm like super cool, but like that's not the majority of the consumers. The consumers are literally saying, Hey, I need more energy. How do I get that? Yeah. They go to the thing that either is the most amount of scale, like, a, like you said, a C4. They go into Costco. It's a good price. They, they pick up the 12, the two-pack. They're good to go. They go on Amazon. They type in pre-workout. It says it has 4,000 reviews that are a 4.6. They go, cool, this one's for me. They buy it. And they don't think anything about it past that point. It's good. As long as it works, it doesn't upset their stomach or something like that. They're cool with it. If it works really well, they probably tell some of their friends. And it works well. It's not like it needs to be this thing where like, oh, well, I'm not getting the best value because it actually has 1.1 <laughs> gram of beta alanine less than this one. And I know I need to get 3.2 because that's what the medical journals tell me. And it's like
0: nobody gets to that level. No, they don't. And they don't need to, honestly, quite frankly. I mean that's they the, – first off, people are lazy. I and mean, this is safe and point. Like we, we don't – most people, if they read at all, they read for fun or entertainment. They don't really read for educational purposes unless you're forced to throughout high school and college. And, uh, you know, I would be amazed even if that person walking to Costco actually take, pulls out their phone and even goes to Amazon and looks for a review. They probably see the twenty nine 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 price tag or whatever it is for the Twin Pack and say, this is a great price. Boom, and they take it. They, they, they know it's got caffeine in it. But... What's funny is, like you mentioned, that most people don't care about their general health. They don't care about their general health until they have to. And that's when a doctor says, you need to take insulin. You need to take this blood pressure medication. At that point, that's the only industry in which basically is a science-driven industry, I mean, in terms of like, things you take, because, yeah, you see some marketing campaigns on... Television or in 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 a magazine here and there, but I can't imagine many people, um, you know, walk into a doctor's office and say, "I need X Y Z brand of blood pressure medication." I mean, maybe they do. I'm not in that. I'm not really in that target market. Um, But I would imagine, like you, rely on the expert, which is the doctor, to prescribe you what he thinks you should be taking. You're not going to go. Most people aren't going to, you know, do their research prior to having a blood pressure issue to take a medication or take an over-the-counter dietary supplement to help them regulate their blood pressure correctly. I mean, I do because, obviously, I I care about my long-term health, but I am 0.001% of the population that that does. So it's like, okay, you know, unless you're being told by an authoritative figure like a doctor who our society will always look at as an authoritative figure, especially because it's... You know, they think life and death. That's what the doctor kind of does. Like, you know, either I'm dying or I'm living. And um, and if I'm dying, a doctor can save me through a pill or, 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 or a serum or some something. Sure. But within dietary supplements, it's like, oh, man, I just seen that really cool ad on Facebook. Or, you know, they're running a 35% off sale. Or I went to GNC and this so-called expert told me to take BPI's best aminos or whatever it might be. It's like to be a – that's a big difference too. Like to be a, a sales rep at GNC – you don't have to go through eight years of college, you know, like a doctor does. <laughs> so I mean you 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 base your stuff on bro science and even most even though I'm not saying they're, they're not educated. There are a lot of GNC, vitamin shop, supplement shop reps who are educated. Um uh, but at the end of the day, you know, for them it's a profit driven business. Um same with hospitals. I'm not saying hospitals aren't profit-driven businesses because they are. Uh, but I mean it's it's just it is to me it's miraculous. You mentioned that small percentage of population that's on my platform or PricePal platform that talks. What's so comical to me is those are the people that brands listen to. Those are the people that brands sit back and be like, well, they want more of this. Who's they? Who's they, the six people on Facebook, the 10 people on Instagram? Are you fucking kidding me? They, they are not representative of the population at whole. So, I mean, I get it. There are people who sit behind their keyboards in this space who consider themselves superior formulators and are thinking, well, they don't think we have enough, they don't think we have enough citrulline in this product, so I think we should re- reformulate it and go from five to six. I mean you guys if you own a brand, like, yes, I appreciate good formulas and I always will. But you gotta stop listening to the people on 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 those channels they're saying that they need if it's something based on taste, that's different because that's subjective, sure. But yeah. like when it comes down to like formulations and stuff, like you should know more than them if you're formulating a product. But a lot of people that formulate products like, I mean I probably know more than them. But at the end of the day, like if they have a superior marketing campaign, they're gonna win. So it's just I, I always find it funny how many times I get a call from somebody or something saying, well, you know, there, there are people shitting on this formula. Okay. Okay. You've been, you've been the stack before. How many times has a formula been posted and people just shit on the formula? And by people, I mean like 10 people maybe at most. Yep. And then everybody starts talking. Well, the, the fans, they don't like the formula. The fans don't know the fucking formula because there are going to be people who are going to buy that product. I am a case in point, and I'll say it on this podcast, I'm not a fan of Bucked Up in terms of the formulation. I think Deer Antler Velvet is a bunch of bullshit, and, but they sell so much of that stuff at a premium price. It's not worth that price tag, but people buy it because they're a marketing-driven company. And, it, and who am I to, to call out Ryan, the CEO of that brand, and be like, you're, you're an idiot because he's winning. He's winning. I'm not winning like he's winning. So you know, if fans don't want to take the time to educate themselves and they want to buy into a cool looking buck on on a on a on a package that does look cool, they have that right. I've always said like if you formulate
1: or create products and brands uh, for the 0.1 percent that comment (laughs) on on some of those things, you'll be you'll be the quickest bankrupt company out there because they. Uh, those customer or those, I guess I'm using customer, but really those people don't even really buy the products that they're commenting on or even that they are fans of because most of the time companies are giving them products for free because, uh, they are advocates or people that that talk about this and you, you you know, you're interested to see what people think about it that are actually are interested in sports nutrition because there's, not that many of them that are going to be following a uh, social media account uh, about s- uh, sports nutrition. So like pe- there's a ton of people that take sports nutrition, but there's very few of them that actually want to follow the news and right. interested in all the little details about the industry or whatever. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I do want to make sure that everybody knows listening to this, like though Ryan and I are, are commenting around like marketing companies and in, in the industry is run by marketing companies, right. we're not saying that we are advocating that these companies utilize that in a negative way or, or to, um, you know, manipulate the consumer bases to create bad products and, and whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's buyer beware. I mean, honestly, the, the information is out there for anybody. If you get taken, um, quite honestly, I don't really have that much like empathy to people because like literally if if anything you want to buy, if it's a car, it's a house, it's a whatever, like, Trust me, there's tons of information if you look further, for, further enough for it. Right. And I think that the, uh, you know, you learn pretty quick about certain products that maybe you don't know too much about. And I think that we're not, we're not saying that that's a good thing. We're not saying that people should be, you know, utilizing that in, in a way to manipulate the the consumer bases. But what we're, what we're saying is that if the industry is moving towards transparent labels and it's moving towards a ton of brand explosion explosions because of like low barriers of entry and, and the ability for a few clicks to start your own direct-to-consumer and um, Amazon listings, you have a very competitive landscape that everybody is easily able to copycat each other yep. and able to do the same exact thing. So the only thing that you really can stand behind is like what you could build on top of that which is is kind of the brand experience the brand the marketing you know whatever we're talking about here is like the difference now there's we could talk about the other side of like yeah i mean there's sometimes you could have superior back end things like you know how to acquire customers in certain ways, or you know how to do things like that, like, you know, multi-level marketing companies do well at that, companies that do well with affiliate marketing, um, Amazon people that do really well on that that platform. There's, there's ways to like, you know, figure and build a brand without having to be like a crazy marketing company. But um, the, the point of that is, is like, okay, if everybody is, is in the sea of sameness, how do you stand out? And the way to do that is to be you know, t- to create this marketing story, create this brand experience it's a little bit different. It's it's not necessarily going to be the science unless you are like, you know, uh, Abbott Nutrition or something that can create branded um, ingredients because you have huge R&D teams, you have huge budgets because you're a pharmaceutical company that can go through that and realize like, we're going to create an advantage. That's not the 99%, yeah. 99.999% of the, of the brands in our space. They don't have the capital to be able to put, in that effort. So then you're buying ingredients, branded ingredients that everybody else has access to. So then you're in the same boat, even if you have those labels or those, those fancy icons on your labels, it doesn't necessarily do anything for you because somebody could just go to that branded ingredient and say, Hey, I'd like to put that in my product too. And they go, cool, great. So there's not a lot of like actual exclusivity. So then it gets to this point where like, where do you go? What do you do? If you're going to be standing just on your, your label, product um, attributes to just say okay this is this is what our product has it has six grams of bcaa's it has six grams of citrulline it has this and this is all efficacious dosages and you should be all about it because you should know that this is a great product nobody's even going to know that even exists let alone be able to read the label or or anything so it's like you know that argument i think is 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 valid maybe 10 plus years ago but like in today's world you won't exist, you won't even sell your first million dollars. Like I, and I made that comment to, you know, Jim Stepani on stage and it wasn't in a kind of a, I didn't want to make it in a negative way, but it was kind of like, Hey, if it's 2020, you're starting today and you're not Jim Stepani and have like all these years of, of, um, you know, influence and you, you know, have all this following and you come out with the same exact product and you name it Jim supplements or whatever. Good luck. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen for you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because it's, there's a hundred other people trying to do the same thing that have the same, you know, mindset as you. It's like, how do you actually stand
0: uh, above and beyond those people? Yeah, there's, I mean, so a, a lot to unpack there. I want to start like, okay, the, the brands who formulate for the consumer, consumer first innovation is what I like to call it. Like, you don't have to over-engineer your product first off to be a consumer first driven brand. So, but the the brands who are, Essentially, trying to give the entire kitchen sink to a consumer in a dietary supplement. Our brands, to Josh's point, that are gonna—they may make enough money to support the owners' living. Okay, but you're not gonna make much more than that. I mean, it, it's gonna be tough. Like, I, I think a brand like Morphe and Nutrition. Ben Mor- ben is a, a great dude. Stamp dude. Have you even heard of the brand before?
1: Yeah, I have actually okay, called so, them,
0: but you're you're in you're in the space. Um, I bet you most people outside this outside our space, or even even some people within the industry, probably have not heard of them. Um, great formulas, great great formulas. Expensive because it uses such such high doses of ingredients. That I would love to see his his PL because I, I don't think you know his his margins. I mean, he's gotta sell a product for 60 bucks. Now you're now now you're pricing yourself outside the market. And this now you're only going after that small niche of consumers. And quite frankly, all those people who are talking online saying they want more, 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 they won't pay a dime over 40 bucks for for a pre-workout, you know? So like they always want more for less. Well, you can't fucking do that and stay in business so it's like okay I'm going to create a $60 pre-workout because the people want that and God bless the people I, I love those $60 pre-workouts because they're, they're good but you just don't need to do that you still need to have a responsibility to running a business and I think um, you know, to, to double down on just being a science based company it, it just doesn't work because it doesn't resonate with the general population another case in point take, take a I'll, I'll call Cellucor a marketing driven company in today's world would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So they came out with their C4 dynasty. Ten year anniversary pre-workout. Over engineered the shit out of it. Okay. Way too much in it. I appreciate ca- that.
1: I call that the fuck you product. That's yeah. like the uh, like they've heard all the hate for so many years on their regular C4, and because they have
0: the, the ability to do it, they just create a fuck you product to the whole industry and say, okay, now what? 100%. Like, uh, you know, hitting each pathway in the pump 20 times. I mean, just throwing in similar ingredients because they can and because they're branded and because it's expensive as shit. To your point, it was NutriBolt standing up and saying, fuck all y'all. We can do what we want. $70 pre-workout for 20 servings. Seven zero. Okay. That's not a made up number. That's legit. I walked into GNC the other day, sixty nine 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 on their store shelf. Thankfully, I got three tubs for free. Appreciate it, Greg. But at the end of the day, I'm not spending 70 bucks on that product and I'm in the space because to me, I look at that and say it's over-engineered. It's got too much of something. I would love to see it. They probably did fairly well on sales just because like, they built a lot of hype with it. But I, I wonder you know, how many people are walking in the GNC dropping 70 bucks on that thing right now. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't would, know. I mean,
0: I, I mean, it's cool packaging and depending on what Core does and at full price, I'm not talking discount, at full price at sixty nine nine nine, my guess would be that product sits. Because right next to that is a, um, you know, in a GNC, there's a Ghost Legend pre workout for 40 bucks, which is not a bad pre workout, but it's 30 bucks less for, I think it's 40, 20 servings or 30 servings in in Ghost Legend. So more servings too. Like it's just like, do people, do even the people who say they care, do they care enough to buy? And that's a question I think a lot of people need to ask. It's like, okay, this small percentage of the population, they truly care. But when it comes down to actually pulling out that piece of plastic called a credit card and making that transaction, do they really care? And I think that is, that's, that's a big thing. There's, there's, there's a lot of noise out there that I think brands need to navigate through uh, and figure out what, what, what's the validity of these comments. And sure, they might want more creatine monohydrate or want whatever it is. But they, are they first, and, and if they buy that product one time, are they going to be a repeat purchase? Or are they going to be like, okay, that product didn't give me much more than X X is also fifteen bucks cheaper, so I'm gonna go back to that one. It doesn't necessarily create like there are. It does create loyalness with some consumers. Like, people who buy Morphogen Nutrition buy Morphogen Nutrition because they're loyal customers. But it's hard to have. It's hard to grow a business uh, in terms of revenue, and and not to say that every business and brand owner is doing that because they're, they're, there, are, there are a lot of stand up brand owners who are like I'm not about that. I get it. But for the general consensus and the general portion of this this conversation. We live in a marketing driven world,
1: yeah, and I think the science aspect of it can be marketing as well cool. it, it, but it needs to be um, you know digestible in a way for the audience um, you know i can I can sit on my YouTube channel and and pontificate and use all these crazy high level SAT words and nobody's going to understand it. Does it actually add any value to people's lives that they can't understand it? It doesn't. So you have to utilize the language that people are going to understand. And scientists and the science around our industry, for whatever reason, doesn't get to the level of where the consumer is at. So they can't ever get to the point where they're explaining their science to let a consumer create like action. Like, do they actually get up and offer up their credit card? something based around the information you're giving from the science side of of the organization. So that's kind of where I always kind of stop at this whole argument because, yeah, I mean, I think science is great, but you're not, you're not actually being able to to put it in a digestible manner that the consumer, the one that's actually driving the industry is is going to, to be interested in it. So you you have these uh, brands, you know, years and years ago that used to do a bunch of, like, self-funded studies on their um, their finished products, and, right. you know, maybe they, they self-funded it, but also had a university do it, and, you know, whatever it is. And what you kind of found out over the years is, like, people would, as the internet kind of grew, you had people that would uh, tear it down because there was biases. Obviously, if you're funding a study, it's going to be only the best things that come out based around what elements you want to come out. So it's like, okay, like, is there actually a benefit for spending all that money to do that when you could just pull the science that the ingredient houses are, are putting out on theirs and let them defend their own studies? Don't, defend your studies that you paid for that people are just going to say straight up it's biased right off the bat so it's kind of like that to the point of like an over-engineered type of a situation like do you invest in that when you know it's not going to really make a incremental difference to like just pulling structure function claims from like a uh, branded ingredients study or whatever it is like it doesn't make much sense to do it the way that you want to spend a bunch of extra money to have a finished goods you know, kind of, I mean, I would love if that was the case, but the problem is it's like everybody is, it's not really worth this. The the juice isn't worth the squeeze, I guess, in that case. And, and, um, I I just go back to like, if you're going to be putting a science foot forward in your products, in your brand, you need to be able to distill that information down in a way that actually is like useful to the consumer. If not, you're better off trying to um, talk about a, a, you know, an aspirational lifestyle, yeah. uh, talk about maybe some purpose-driven aspect of your brand or whatever because that story is a lot easier to describe to consumers than it is to describe to them what's the uh, pathway and the, the Krebs cycle and this and that and how it's going to make all these – like you're
0: going to shut off really quick. Not even just useful for the consumer but impactful. I think that's a big one. Like, it could be useful. They could comprehend it. But if it's not impactful, a lot of the stuff nowadays to the average consumer, oh, it increases nitric oxide by 230%. That's a massive number. Doesn't mean shit to the consumer. I mean, because they don't even know what nitric oxide is, you know, and what it does. It's like, okay, it's going to increase blood flow. Okay, what does that mean for me? You're going to look bigger in the gym. How much bigger? Not that much bigger. You know I mean? It, like, so if you, can, if you can create something that has a superior impact, saying, like, you know, it'll, it'll take your, your, your mile... From six minutes to five minutes. That's impactful for, for an endurance runner, yeah. right? Like, that's an impact- impactful statement. Now, obviously, we're not going to have that made, or, you know, Josh takes this thing that's, you know, cures ED. So that was an impactful thing for Josh to buy. So he went out there and made sure he got that because in his old age, he needs to, and he, he took a lot of the old Jack 3D and that's it, what happened to him. So, um, but that, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, all these science claims are cool to nerds and, and, and geeks like me who love it and who are looking for a competitive advantage and that extra five to 10% where I can. But for the average consumer, 95% of them, which is still, I think, low. I mean, unless it's an impactful claim or, or something that they can feel, whether, you know, caffeine or beta alanine, uh, it's, a, it's a tough sell. So um, if you guys agree with us or disagree with us, either way, we'd love to hear. You can go ahead and converse with us over at social media. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Shaker Cup. Um, obviously, we post these to LinkedIn as well. You can follow us uh, or watch this and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, watch via YouTube. Um, we do this weekly, every Thursday. So, any uh, any ideas for topics that you guys might have, whether you're in the space, outside the space, whatever it might be. Josh and I collectively have have a couple years uh, of experience in the space, and um, you know we've been around the block a time or two. So, uh, any parting words, Josh, of wisdom for brands out there?
1: No, I mean I think it's just you know. Lead with what you're great at. Even if, if it is science, just make sure that you can uh, describe it in a way that's, like you said, impactful. If not, it's just a bunch of uh, noise.
0: And, and if, if it's not impactful and it's a bunch of noise, Bill Nye, the science guy, literally is still alive. Bring him in. Do a marketing campaign around it. Guarantee, <laughs> guarantee you'll sell at least one extra bottle or uh, container of whatever it is that you're talking about. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.